0: Welcome, I'm Cliff Hedges. This is Pastor Cliff's Notes, the podcast where we're studying the Bible. We're working our way through the book of 1 Corinthians. Today is episode 419. Looking at First Corinthians chapter 9, verses 3 through 14. Let's read our passage. My defense to those who examine me is this. Don't we have the right to eat and drink? Don't we have the right to be accompanied by a believing wife like the other apostles, the Lord's brothers, and Cephas? Or do only Barnabas and I have no right to refrain from working? Who serves as a soldier at his own expense? Who plants a vineyard and does not eat its fruit? Or who shepherds a flock and does not drink the milk from the flock? Am I saying this from a human perspective? Doesn't the law also say the same thing? For it is written in the law of Moses, Do not muzzle an ox while it treads out grain. Is God really concerned about oxen? Isn't he really saying it for our sake? Yes, this is written for our sake, because he who plows ought to plow in hope, and he who threshes should thresh in the hope of sharing the crop. If we have sown spiritual things for you, is it too much if we reap material benefits from you? If others have this right to receive benefits from you, don't we even more? Nonetheless, we have not made use of this right. Instead, we endure everything so that we will not hinder the gospel of Christ. Don't you know that those who perform the temple services eat the food from the temple, and those who serve at the altar share in the offering of the altar? In the same way the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should earn their living by the gospel. This is Paul's first letter to the church at Corinth. He said in this letter from Ephesus on his third missionary journey. He founded the church in Corinth about five years earlier. And there are problems in Corinth. They are fighting one another. There's divisions. They've got some flawed theology. They're having problems with Paul. And they've sent Paul a letter with some questions. And not just quizzical kind of questions. Challenges, essentially, to a lot of things. So Paul's responding to their letter. He's also responding based on a lot of things he's heard about the problems in Corinth. He is answering the questions began at the beginning of chapter 7. Chapter 7 was all about marriage. and chapter 8, about meat sacrificed to idols, specifically eating in the pagan temples. Now in chapter 9, he's talking about his apostleship that's related somewhat to that previous section. Because he ended the section on uh, meat sacrificed to idols with freedom. Of I am called sometimes to voluntarily restrict my own freedom for the sake of others. Then he launched into his apostleship in chapter 9 and talking about his own freedom. Well, now he's defending his right to be supported as an apostle by the church. And I think this is odd because he didn't receive their support. And that seems to be part of the problem. Now, in Greek culture... Those who travel around as philosophers or teachers or missionaries or uh, whatever, that kind of stuff. They, there's four different ways you could support yourself or be supported. One of them was fees. You charge a fee. You come into town and teach things and expect people to pay you for that. Another is patronage. Patronage is where a rich person basically takes you under their responsibility and pay for you, support you. But basically, I'm going to pay your way, either for a specific period of time or indefinitely. Other would be begging. And lastly, work. And work is a four-letter word. So the idea that Paul and his companions worked didn't sit well with the Corinthians. And so they're thinking, you know, you must be like a fourth-rate apostle to have to come here and work for a living. You did charge fees. Nobody took you under their wing as a patron. And you did beg. And maybe there were people offering to offer the patronage. But Paul declined it. So the fact that he wasn't supported by others, maybe that questions his fitness to be an apostle, his stature as an apostle. But it's also embarrassing to the Corinthians. We have such a half-rate apostle that he had to work for a living as a tent maker. And so that's kind of behind their thinking here. And so they're challenging his apostleness because he wasn't doing things right. And so this section today, he's defending his right to be supported. And they go, oh, but he wasn't supported. Well, that's that's the whole issue. He's uh, next time going to defend his right to not accept that support. But in order to not accept it, it has to be uh, a right that he could have claimed. So this section today is him defending his right as an apostle to actually be supported by the church as he's carrying out his duties as an apostle. Then next time he'll defend why it was his right and decision to not accept that uh, support. So here's the chapter three. My defense to those who examine me is this. So he has actually got people accusing him or criticizing him. Now how it's coming across, It was it spelled out in the letter? Not certain, but it seems to have at least been in the letter, or at least the background of it in the letter. So those who examine, those who are criticizing me and saying that the fact I didn't accept support from the church degrades me somehow as an apostle. He said. well, this is my defense. Verse 4. Uh, here he asks three rhetorical questions, in which the answer is, well, yeah, of course. And it's interesting, these questions. The first one, don't we have the right to eat and drink? Ooh, everybody has the right to eat and drink. So what's behind this? Is the idea of the right to eat and drink under the support of the church? Or is he hearkening back to the freedom that he was talking about Them You have the freedom to eat and drink whatever you want. They have that same freedom, too. So as his first rhetorical question, we have the right to eat and drink. Then verse five. Don't we have the right to be accompanied by a believing wife, like the other apostles, the Lord's brothers and Cephas? Now, this is interesting. Some will to le- hearken that back to chapter 7, talking about you're free to marry if you want. But that's not really part of the issue here. The issue here is the right to travel with your wife with you and have the church, the church support your family. Apparently, others do that sort of thing lord's brothers cephas which is peter uh, it seems that they were known to do that and, and paul's saying don't we have the right to do that they do and, and the rhetorical question answer to the rhetorical question well yeah if you're an apostle then you do have that right verse six or do only barnabas and i have no right to refrain from working Now, the right to refrain from working is the right to not have to support ourselves and be supported by the church, like the other apostles. So he's basically saying we have that right. As apostles, we have the right to expect the church to support us. Now, it's curious he mentions Barnabas, because Silas and Timothy were his companions when he went to Corinth he doesn't mention them, he mentions Barnabas. Well, Barnabas was his first traveling companion, and they probably all know, you know, it's legendary, Paul and Barnabas taking the gospel into the Gentile world. And they worked and supported themselves as they did that. So it's probably just, you know, they've heard all these stories, and that's why he mentions Barnabas. So the three rhetorical questions and the, the answers are, well, yeah, you do have that right if you're really an apostle. Then number seven, he, he starts using some examples of everyday life. Who serves as a soldier at his own expense? Who plants a vineyard and does not eat its fruit? Or who shepherds a flock and does not drink the milk from the flock? The, these are three examples from real life where you would say Yeah, a soldier doesn't have to pay his own way to be a soldier. He's supported in being a soldier. And if you're planting a vineyard, of course you get to eat the fruit of the vineyard. And if you're shepherding a flock, of course you get to drink the milk from the flock. The the whole idea here is that everyday people expect to be supported, sustained by their labors. So that's everyday examples. But then in verse 8, he says, am I saying this from a human perspective? And that would be what he just gave, is examples from everyday life, human perspective. So he shifts gears. Doesn't the law also say the same thing? So here he's quoting from the law of Moses, from Deuteronomy 25, verse 4. He says, first written in the law of Moses, do not muzzle an ox while it treads out grain. The idea being, if the ox is going to be working in the grain, the ox can munch on some grain while the ox is working the grain. Is God really concerned about oxen? Isn't he really saying it for our sake? Yes, this is written for our sake, because he who plows ought to plow in hope, and he who threshes to thresh in the hope of sharing the crop. If we sown spiritual things for you, is it too much if we reap material benefits from you? So he uses the example from Deuteronomy about muzzling the ox, treading the grain, and says, yeah, it's talking about us. If we're plowing the, the barren soil of a pagan land and planting the gospel and watering the gospel and growing the gospel to fruition to bring people to Christ, then we should reap benefits of that, that is to be supported by those churches that we plant. So his argument's been that as apostles, they have every right to expect the churches to support them. Then in verse 12, he says, if others have this right to receive benefits from you, don't we even more?" So who are the others? Could be Apollos and Cephas, Peter. They were the ones mentioned back early on when there were the divisions, some claimed to be of Paul. Some claim to be of Cephas. Some claim to be of Apollos. Perhaps Apollos and Cephas were supported by the church. And Paul saying, well, if you can support them, why would it be wrong to support us? But then he adds, nevertheless, we have not made use of this right. Instead, we endure everything so that we will not hinder the gospel of Christ. So his argument's been We as apostles have the right to be supported by the churches. You're supposed to support us as apostles. However, we didn't draw on that. We did not take that support. And he explains so that we will not hinder the gospel of Christ. How how does this hinder the gospel of Christ? Well, in Paul's thinking, we're going to talk about this more next time, but Paul's big thing is that the gospel is free. You don't have to earn the gospel. The gospel's free, free gift of God. And that's why he did things the way he did. Now, in no way does he criticize those who are supported by the church. What he did was he specifically chose that he would not do that. Then he goes on and continues arguing for the support. Verse 13, don't you know that those who perform the temple services eat the food from the temple, and those who serve at the altar share in the offerings of the altar? Now, is he talking about the pagan temples or the temple in Jerusalem? Well, it's the same in both. Those who work the temples are supported through the operation of the temple verse 14, in the same way, the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should earn their living by the gospel. Where did the Lord command that? Well, when the Lord said it in Luke 10.7 or Matthew 10.10, what he said was the worker deserves his wages. He said it more as a parable, a true saying. This is a trustworthy saying. But Paul's using here as a command, a command to the churches, that the churches should support those who preach the gospel, that they should earn their living by the gospel. So this whole argument here, it seems to be coming from a place where they are questioning his apostleship and along with that, his authority. If he's not really a valid apostle, then he really doesn't have valid apostolic authority. And it's based on this idea that he worked when he was there the way you're supposed to do it you're supposed to blow into town and be so high and mighty that you're above work and then we support you or a rich person supports you or something but uh, to, to actually work support yourself that uh, just doesn't seem right you must be uh not a very good apostle if, if that's the way it works and perhaps then you don't have full authority and paul's challenge to them is well yes we do. We have every bit of that authority, and we have the right to expect you, the church, to support us. We didn't draw on that right, but that doesn't mean it's not a valid right. And now I go on to explain it next time, why it is they didn't draw on that. So he's defending his authority as an apostle, his standing as an apostle, and defending the right of others to be supported by the church as they preach the gospel, act as apostles, and work for the kingdom. Thanks for joining me. Join me again next time as we continue working through First Corinthians.